in a series in this book, trying to piece together a portrait of what a wise life looks like and how we can live one. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8, and I'll read to the end of the chapter. Hear now the word of the Lord. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie and wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole. Like those who go down into the pit. We shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot among us. We will all have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths. For their feet run to evil. And they make haste to shed blood. For in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird. But these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessor. Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the market she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy street she cries out. At the entrance of the city gate, she speaks. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? If If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you because I have called and you refuse to listen, have stretched out my hand and no one has heeded because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call up, then you will call, then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but I will not, but will not find me. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof. Therefore they shall eat the fruit of their way. And have their fill of their own devices. For the simple are killed by their turning away. And the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure. And will be at ease without dread of disaster. Let's pray. Father, as um, we have read these words that are a mixture of, of comfort... Um, and, and also frightening words, uh, we ask that you would help us to trust that as we come to the book of Proverbs, we are not only hearing the words of wise men and women from a long time ago, but we are hearing your words. We're hearing your call, your invitation. And so would you teach us to fear you as we sit before this book? Would you open our eyes and ears and our hearts to your confrontation, to your correction, to your instruction? May your Holy Spirit be at work in this time so that we could walk in your ways 
so that we could be transformed by your grace and wisdom. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. It's not a competition. Parents of multiple children, have you said that recently? It's not a competition. If, if you have siblings close in age, brothers and sisters close in age, have you heard your parents say that? It's not a competition. I, I don't know what it is about that sibling relationship that can take brushing your teeth at bedtime and turn it into an Olympic event. But there is something that is there where competition feeds and touches everything. And you know what? While brushing your teeth, may, maybe that shouldn't be a competition. The book of Proverbs looks at us and says, you know what? Your life, it is one. Your life is a competition. You are contested space. Your decisions, your behaviors, your thoughts, your emotions, your mind and your heart, all of those are a field of play on which teams vie for dominance. Your life is a competition. And this book, as it teaches wisdom constantly raises the question, who will win? Who will win your attention? Who will win your affection? Who will win your allegiance? Who will win in the contested space of your life? And to answer that question well, uh, we need to consider the nature of this competition. And this text that we just read can help us to understand the nature of this competition. So I want us to look at these verses, these words that come to us from a long time ago but are spoken to us by God's Spirit. I want us to look at these words and we will see about the nature of this competition that our lives, that in our lives there are competing voices... And there are competing paths. Competing voices and competing paths. First of all, voices. This passage uh, that we read begins, as so many do, in the book of Proverbs with the address, My Son. That is not to limit the offer of wisdom to young males. What that does is it places wisdom in the context of the first and most fundamental human community, the family. Wisdom in this book most often sounds in the voice of a mom and a dad. According to this book, in an ideal world, the home should be the first and foremost classroom for the wise life. But did you hear what I said? I said, in an ideal world, that's how it should be. We don't live in an ideal world, right? It doesn't take a whole lot of observation to realize that there are a lot of parents who aren't wise. It doesn't take a lot of observation to realize that no parents are perfectly wise. So, why should we trust 
the mom and dad here in chapter 1 and the mom and dad who speak throughout the book of Proverbs. Why should we trust them as they address us? Well, because there is a dramatic shift there in verse 20 of chapter 1. There's a dramatic shift from the private space of the home to the very public place of the market. And there is a shift of voice. We know we're no longer hearing from mom and dad. We are hearing from a crazy street preacher, right? Wisdom personified as a woman who cries out for attention. And who calls down destruction on those who will not pay attention to her. And a better description than crazy street preacher in the Old Testament context is the word, is the title, is the role prophet. Woman wisdom, as she speaks here in Proverbs chapter 1, sounds a lot like an Old Testament prophet. And what do prophets do? What's the role of the prophet? It is to be the mouthpiece of God. It is to mediate the voice of God to people, right? That's the role of a prophet. So think about this. Here's why Proverbs 1 connects mom and dad to woman wisdom preaching like a prophet. It's to say the reason you can trust mom and dad It's because they are an example of human community applying divine communication. Human community applying divine communication. Think about this lecture that mom and dad make to their son. What do they do there? They work out in the details of life three of the Ten Commandments. Right? They apply what God has to say about stealing, about murder, and at the heart of it all, about covetousness. They are applying, in the details of life, divine communication. God's will, God's design for how we should live. And that's why we should trust the mom and dad who speak in the book of Proverbs. But you know what? That doesn't take us a whole lot further than we went last week. It shows us that God does communicate through human community. He certainly communicates through his word, through scripture, through the book of Proverbs. But like we said last week, wisdom begins and ends with a listening posture before a communicating God. Right? That's where wisdom begins and ends. But here's what this text adds. This text adds another dimension to why that listening is so hard to do. This text shows us why that listening is so difficult. It's not just because of our innate sinfulness. It's also because there are competing voices. Right? Did you hear them there in verse 10? There's this counterfeit community. There is this pretend family of young men who say, come with us, come and belong to us. And these voices, rather than applying divine communication, draw the young man or potentially draw the young man away from God's design. They promise similar things that God promises. 
They promise belonging. They promise well-being. But they call the son to a way of accomplishing those goals in in a way that is opposite of God's design. In a way that does not fit with God's plan, with his will for those who belong to him. So listen, at stake in the wise life, one of the most important skills for living a wise life is the ability to tell the difference between sounds that help us hear God and sounds that further deafen us to Him. Essential skill for the wise life is the ability to tell the difference between sounds that help us hear God and sounds that further deafen us to His design, to His desire for us. Benjamin Britten was a a great 20th century British composer, and he wrote a piece called The Young Person's Guide to the Orchestra. And what he does in that piece is he takes a musical theme and he works it with variation through every single instrument in the standard symphony orchestra. And what he does by doing that is he helps the listener have the ability to understand how the different instruments sound differently. He helps us distinguish between the sound of a flute and the sound of a trumpet. That is the music of this book. The music of Proverbs helps us to distinguish the sounds in our life. Our lives are noisy, aren't they? So many voices coming at us from so many different sources. Our lives are noisy. And the mistake that we make is to think that those noises are neutral. And the insight of this passage, the insight of this book, is that those noises aren't neutral. They either enhance the sound of God's desire and design for us, or they mute it and turn up the volume on another destructive way of life. So can you tell the difference? Can you distinguish between the sounds in your life? Do you know what enhances God's voice, God's call, God's desire for you? And do you know, on the other hand, what mutes those sounds? Now, how do we do that? How can we tell the difference between those sounds? And how does Proverbs help us distinguish between those competing voices? Well, we we can do that by noticing that those voices, these competing voices, call us to competing journeys. So our lives have competing voices and also competing paths, competing roads, competing journeys. Did Did you notice how the parents were concerned with the son's feet? In verses 15 and 16, don't let your foot go with them. Their feet are running towards evil. Do not walk in the way with them. 
Did you see where woman wisdom places herself to do her proclamation? It's beside the road, right? As people are walking in and out of the city. Life as a path is one of the central, if not the most central metaphor in the book of Proverbs. You see, way before Robert Frost, Proverbs says two roads diverge. Not necessarily in a yellow wood, but two roads diverge nonetheless. Wisdom is the ability to put one foot in front of another in a good direction. It is the ability to know these two roads diverging and to walk on the right one. And that word good, that word right, those words are defined in relationship to God and in relationship to neighbor. So notice... What is the way, what is the path of the sinners, of the fool, here in Proverbs chapter 1? It is ignoring God, and it is pursuing personal gain at the painful expense of other people. What's the contrast? What's the other way? What's the other path? Well, it is to apply the heart of God's law, to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. It is to fear God and to pursue the benefit of others, even at the expense of my own gain. Two roads diverge. Now, why should we choose one over the other? Because roads have destinations. We should choose one over the other because roads have destinations. You see how the parents, they they take away the enticement of these other competing voices. They take away the enticement of the sinners by showing their end. By showing where their path leads. Those who attempt to swallow up others for their own fullness are swallowed by the grave and left empty. Those who set traps for others are in reality setting traps for their own destruction. Those who pursue possessions in this distorted way end their lives empty. They pursue gain. And they find what? They find loss. And woman wisdom picks up this dark version of the future. And she says, I will laugh at those who laughed at me. I will close my mouth to those who close their ears. And as she does this, she's, she's not just talking about self-destructiveness, which is, which is a part of foolishness. There is a self-destructive element to foolishness. But woman wisdom is also referring to divine judgment. She echoes Psalm 2, where God himself laughs at those who laugh at him. Mocks those who continue in their rebellion against his ways, against his desires, against his design. But there's another way. 
There is this dark path towards death. But there is another destination. Verse 23, what does wisdom say? She says, turn. There's another way. There's another direction. There's another destination. What is it? If you will turn and respond to the voice of wisdom, where will she lead you? What does she say in verse 23? I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. In Scripture, only God pours out His Spirit. That phrase is used only of God. It is yet another hint that when we hear wisdom's voice, we are hearing God speaking, communicating. This is God saying, I will pour out my spirit on you if you will walk this way. The spirit that hovered at the beginning of creation and made life possible. You see, the other destination, the other path isn't just the gift of bare survival. It is the destination of the full life that comes from being in the presence of God. It is the fullness of life that comes from communion with Him. From Him breathing life into you. I have weeds in my yard. And they sprout up every year. And I know what will happen if I don't address those weeds, if I don't pull them out. They will not only grow grow tall and ugly, but they will also produce these brown seed things that if you go anywhere near to them, they will cover your clothes and skin. I believe they're sentient and they actually jump out and attack me. I know that will happen. But even with that knowledge, if you come over to my house this afternoon, what will you see? You will see those weeds still growing in my yard. That's foolishness. Foolishness is to see a harmful destination and not turn the other way. Foolishness is to see the possibility of good and not turn towards it. Proverbs says there are two paths. One flowers in death and distance. The other flowers in the life of nearness to God. And so like Deuteronomy, hundreds and hundreds of years before, Proverbs says, I'm setting before you death and life. Choose life. Which is so discouraging. It is so discouraging. Because even just a moment of honest self-reflection. Reveals to all of us. Past self-destructive decisions. Doesn't it? Even just a moment of honest self-reflection. Will reveal to any of us. Present, God-defying habits, patterns, and actions. To say, here's death and here's life, choose life, 
That's a scary message for us. If we know ourselves truly, isn't it? Well, it's a scary message if we stop reading just with Proverbs chapter 1. It's a scary message unless we keep reading scripture and make our ways to the prophet Isaiah. And we go to chapter 11 of Isaiah's book. And there Isaiah is talking about a king. And he says, on this king will rest the spirit of God. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. This is a scary message and Lest we keep reading beyond Isaiah and we get to the New Testament and we see that promised King Jesus emerging from the waters of the Jordan after being baptized by John and the Spirit of God in the form of a dove descending on Him. The Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of wisdom. And just a few chapters later, we hear Him read from Isaiah and said, This, this, That was about me. This is a a scary message unless we hear that king say to us, repent. Repent. It's that word turn there in verse 23 of our text. Repent. Turn. There is another way. Repent and do better. Yeah? No. Repent and try harder. Yeah? No. The king of wisdom looks at us and says, Repent, turn, and believe. Why can he say that? Why can he say, Turn and believe? Well, because although he, were, although he walked the perfect path of wisdom, He suffered the destination of our foolishness. Jesus on the cross suffered the destination of the path of foolishness. So that he could take fools like us and put us on the path towards God. On the path towards life. Jesus suffered the storm of God's judgment. The whirlwind of God's judgment. So he could pour out on us the water of God's spirit. The spirit of wisdom. Your life is a contest. It's a competition. But if you are in Jesus... Competition has been won. That contest has been won. Yes, He still calls you to wisdom. Yes, you will walk that path imperfectly. But in the end, you will get the destination of the wise person. Not because you've been perfectly wise, but because the perfectly wise one gave His life. For you suffered the destination that your path deserved. So he could take you off the path of death and judgment and distance and lead you to life in God. So this week, 
what voice will you hear? Will you hear not just the wise voice of the mother and father here in Proverbs 1? Will you hear the voice of the perfect Son who leads us to the Father and who pours out on us the Spirit of wisdom? How will you walk? Will you walk in your own capacity, in your own abilities, in your own insight, in your own wisdom? Or will you walk in that spirit who has been given to us, who teaches us and empowers us with God's life-giving wisdom? Let's pray.